Hey, thank you for joining us for episode 15 of Head Start. This is a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders prepare for the upcoming lesson. So as we typically do, we're going to, uh, we'll start off, we'll launch into our time together uh, with a get to know you question. Uh, I told the guys earlier in the week that I was not going to give them forewarning of the question, but I did about, I don't know, two minutes ago, I read the question. So they've had, what is that, 120 seconds to think about that. So here's the question. Would you rather be a superhero or the world's best chef? And we're going to start with the Brian Alderman and his response to this question. Uh, this is a tough one for me. Um, I, I was thinking briefly to go with chef and say shrimp and grits. Okay. We were in Charleston, yes. so had a lot of that. Uh, but I'm going to go with superpowers. Um you know, many of you know that I, uh, prior to being called into ministry, wanted to be a uh, pilot. And so I said, yeah, if I could be a superhero and if I could fly, that would be just the coolest thing ever. And, and Brian rolled into the follow-up question. So if you choose superhero, what's your superpower? Ooh, sorry. And if you choose uh, best chef, what is your menu specialty? All right. So who's going to be next? Tim? Kyle? I'll go next. Um I will pick chef, and I'm just going to keep perfecting my uh, marinated steak yes. dinner with a baked potato, but um, keep fine-tuning the, the marinade on the steak to okay. yeah. just make I, it. I'll speak for the other three of us at this table. We're willing to be guinea pigs for you to there you go. different recipes on. Sign up you for know, that. We're here for that. Anytime you're ready, buddy. Is that lab-grown beef or is that, you know, like just from cows? <laughs> just curious. <laughs> yeah, that would be just from cows. Or we could have elk steak. Or, there you go. You know. We're going we're gonna to choose organic cows. Ah, yeah. Okay. That. All right. Cool. I'm just curious. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Kyle, let's hear this. All right. I, I would... Uh, this one was easier for me. I would be a superhero, okay. uh, I think, wow. for sure. And if I was not going to fly, flying would be at the top, um, I think. Um, the powers that Ant-Man has, I think, are pretty awesome. Like, to be able to go really small or really big. Yes. Their strength and all in that. And I think that would be a pretty cool That's uh, pretty superpower. Cool. That's a good one there. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, I'm going to roll in the same vein as Tim because I, not necessarily the steak, but the barbecue. Uh, there you go. Good. Doing different um, varieties of barbecue. There's so many different types of meat to, to smoke and to cook in different ways. Overflying? Overflying. I don't know. You know, maybe I'm just that superhero, superpower thing. Ah, it's overrated. We got to eat. I think the difficulty with the chef thing, though, is that you got to charge people, you know, and so you can't just your power is limited to whoever's willing to pay. I need you to stop hating. I'm just okay. You're right. You're right. <laughs> All right. Well, with that in mind, I want to give just a challenge to our life group leaders. Uh, about a month ago, we met together uh, for a leadership training event on a Sunday after church. We fed you lunch and everything. We had a large group gathering. Then we divided out into age-graded uh, different groupings. And so as we held the adult life group leaders in the East Venue, uh, the, the bulk of my challenge to us on that Sunday afternoon was that we must win the battle for our minds. Uh, 
And so that I, so the question I have for you as a life group and an adult or student ministry life group leader uh, today is, are you? Are you winning the battle for your mind? Are you daily renewing your mind in God's Word? Are you memorizing Scripture? What Scripture are you memorizing? How is your conversation with God? Do you have that ongoing praying without ceasing conversation with God? What Scripture are you praying? Are you addressing secret sins in your own personal life? sins that maybe no one else knows about. Are you talking about those? Are you bringing them before God in, in, in addressing that with true, with true godly sorrow? Are you confessing those sins? Do you have somebody in your life that's holding you accountable to not step back into that? Is the gospel transforming you? Because as leaders, we cannot expect to see the gospel transform the next generation. We can't expect to see the gospel transform the people in our family or even in our own lives or in our own life groups if it's not happening in our own lives. So here's my challenge. And just a reminder to our adult and student ministry life group leaders, are you leading your groups? Are you leading from the overflow? Are you leading from the overflow of your own personal walk with Christ? If not, let's get busy. Let's get in God's Word. Allow His truth to renew you daily. Not once a week or once a month, but daily allow His truth to renew who you are in your own personal walk with Him. So just that challenge uh, as we as leaders, we must lead and that we must be engaged in that transformational walk with Christ. So there's my soapbox. Uh, now, Brother Tim, uh, you're going to guide us in a conversation as we look at the the passage of Scripture that you guys will be, I think just Pastor Tim will be preaching on Sunday, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. So guide us in that conversation. Thank you, Matt. Your reminder goes right hand in hand with uh, the focus that uh, Paul gives us, beginning with verse 27, running through 30. This wraps up chapter 1. Just uh, remember where we've been. Uh, Paul giving a report to the believers in Philippi about his current situation, verses 12 through 18. And then we heard him give a report about his perspective about the future. And uh, he, after uh, he gives us that understanding about uh, his future, uh, for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain, that sums it up. We come now to the end of the chapter, and he gives a strong exhortation to these believers in Philippi uh, to live worthy of the gospel by standing together against opposition. And any time uh, we work together in the mission God's given us to advance the gospel, there will be opposition. And I love uh, verse 27, uh, as in the ESV, it says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so that verse um, serves kind of as a, a theme or topic sentence for a whole section, beginning with verse 27, running through about verse 18 of chapter 2. Uh, I really, though, like the translation, Brian, of the CSB here. Let's go. And uh, because I think it captures the heart better. Um, rather than the word only, it says just one thing. And so Paul is making a significant, a 
a point, a comprehensive point, he said, of utmost importance, just one thing, we should pay attention to the way that we live out our life. And he exhorts the believers at Philippi to live worthy of the gospel of Christ. Um, As believers, uh, we are making a statement every day about the gospel. We make a statement with what we do, how we live out our life, but also we make a statement with our lips. And and the prayer is that what we say with our lips is being backed up with our lives, that they see that gospel transformation that Matt was talking about overflowing out of our lives. So we should behave in a way that is consistent with the transforming power of the gospel. Uh, that is not automatic. We have to have some sweat equity in that and spiritual disciplines to allow God's good work to continue in us through abiding in truth and abiding in prayer and let the Holy Spirit guide. Uh, Paul calls these believers to look carefully into your own heartbeat to determine your spiritual integrity, that your what you say with your lips is being backed up with your lives. Uh, in other words, the gospel should shape our lives as we live it out day to day, whether we're in our homes or in the workplace or at school or the community center, the ball fields. Uh, we should have spiritual integrity of representing Christ well through our lips and through our lives. Uh, this type of life flows out of our identity as kingdom citizens. And there, there is a kind of behind-the-scenes um, mention of citizenship here. It, it comes with the main verb that is translated in the ESV, manner of life, or in the King Je- New King James Version, uh, only let your conduct be worthy. That's the main verb of this whole sentence. In fact, verse 27 through verse 30 in the Greek is just one long sentence. And so uh, with this main verb, it comes from the root word polis, which means city. And uh, and it usually is referred to the city-states to which um, inhabitants gave their primary allegiance. And so this verb carries the basic meaning of being a citizen. Hold on to that uh, because in Philippians, Paul is going to talk about their citizenship, uh, not being of this world, but being citizens in heaven in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. So the phrase, your life, um, uh, here doesn't really capture fully that idea of citizenship that is in the root of the verb that we have here. So basically, Paul is is calling us out to live as citizens in a manner of worthy of the gospel of Christ, remembering this world is not your forever home, that your citizenship is in heaven, and the value of that kingdom is different than the value of this world. Uh, Paul probably has in mind the city of Philippi that took great pride in their citizenship as Roman citizens. Uh, remember, Philippi was that mini colony of Rome. Uh, you go into Philippi, you're going to be reminded of Rome by the way it looked, by the way they ruled. And, and so Paul is drawing from that um, pride, if you will, from Philippi, something these believers would understand. 
and he's bringing it into a spiritual context that whenever you are living out your faith or whenever someone comes into your body of believers in Philippi and observes your life and hears what you say, they should be reminded of your citizenship is not here but in heaven, and uh, what you do and say is representing Christ well. Uh, Paul provides two pictures, I think, illustrating uh, Christian teamwork as he calls them to stand firm in one spirit and work side by side. These are beautiful pictures. And and so um, some say he's calling them to act like soldiers on one hand, to defend and act like athletes on the other hand contending and so as soldiers that metaphor stand is a military word uh, stako and it means to stand firm and hold your ground the term indicates the determination of a soldier who stands his ground not budging one inch from his post and so uh, these believers in Philippi were attacked for believing in Christ as Lord or as King. Consequently, Paul urges them to remember that they are engaged in a war. They must not give an inch in their loyalty to Jesus, even in the midst of opposition, but instead faithfully stand firm in the face of intimidation. We have strength to make this stand, Paul reminds them, because of our relationship with Christ, our union with him. But then on the athletic side, he he calls them uh, to not just stand, but working for, contending for, laboring for, or striving for in the ESV side by side. Uh, You can hear in the original language, um, the the root word athleo and and it's uh, that's the word we get our English word athlete from. So Paul shifts to the realm of athletics, a world with which he was interested and familiar with. Uh, the phrase, uh, this particular phrase, is only used twice in the New Testament here and then in chapter four and verse three. And so one commentator pointed out if if the Roman military element appreciated the military associations with the word stand, then the Greek population would identify with the necessity of contending as one man uh, as it made a reference to athletic games. So he is, he is using pictures and, and, and words that bring those pictures to mind to make the spiritual connection of how they are to stand firm and contend for the gospel. Uh, Many commentators make the connection not only with athletic games, but also with that gladiator arena. Uh, It's like Paul envisions Christians in that arena together in faith, uh, standing for the gospel, contending for the gospel. Uh, In our contemporary setting, now that football season has kicked off, uh, we can think in terms of that sport that we know, uh, football. Uh, Think about the offensive-defensive lines. They are toe-to-toe, side-by-side, contending for the same purpose, the same goal. So in team sports, each person must do his or her part. Uh, You need the whole team to be all in, 
if one person does not do its job, his job or her job, then it, it hurts the whole team. And the same is true for the body of Christ. We advance the gospel side by side, working, contending, laboring together for the sake of the gospel. So verse 27 calls us to remember, hey, we're in a battle to contend for the gospel and stand firm amidst opposition. But realize you're not alone in this battle. You're together in the body of Christ and fight along other, alongside of other believers who are your teammates. And a good word for us today, don't fight against them. Don't create sideways energy. So uh, that verse 27, only are this one thing, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. It's good stuff. Um, remembering that that verse also, Philippians one twenty seven, is the theme verse for our value as a church together, yes. not alone. Um, there's a great question in your uh, curriculum. I'm on page 13, uh, talking through this segment. It's, why does it matter how the outside world views the church? Um, and I think that'll be a really good conversation for you and your group to have uh, because there's a spectrum there, right? Like to a degree, we can't just kind of toe the line of, our culture's expectations for the church, right? At the same time, we want to have a good reputation in our community with 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 our culture, right? Uh, I've heard the, um, you know, kind of the saying or the analogy maybe that like, we want the most um, sturdy atheist to be disappointed if Liberty Baptist Church had to close its doors, right? It's a good word, yes. Um, and so I think having that conversation, understanding the outside world here, and with respect to this verse, both refers to believers and unbelievers, right? It was Paul who wanted to hear about the Philippians that they were standing firm, contending together. Uh, and so I think that, you know, reminder just to take you back to Jesus's words and his prayer for all believers believers in John 17, that he prayed for our unity uh, so that by both the love of God, the love of Jesus flowing in and through us, uh, as well as the unity, the love that we have for one another to be on mission for the same thing would actually be what leads the world to believe that God sent Jesus as the savior of the world, right? Those people are so united, so drawn together, so focused on the mission uh, that, that we can't help but believe there's something, you know, dynamically spiritual about them. Uh, but then also I think of uh, in second Corinthians, if you look at chapter eight, uh, when Paul is kind of reminding the Corinthians to get their act together with respect to uh, collecting an offering for the Jerusalem church, he refers to the Macedonian believers and how they, even in a situation of extreme poverty and affliction, gave not just their money, but their lives to the cause of the gospel. And so he's using this one church to encourage another church. And that's exactly where we as a church want to be. We want to be the kind of church that has a good reputation with outsiders, that draws them in because of how we love one another, and that people can use us as an example because of what God is doing in our midst as we surrender to him. So I think that's a really good conversation to have uh, with your group. That's a good word, Brian. And and as we uh, look at the rest of this passage, that that as we're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together side by side, here's this phrase, for the faith of the gospel 
And then verse 28, and not be frightened in anything by your opponents. Uh, So there's a positive and negative here. We stand side by side, contend for the faith that comes from the gospel. Paul made it clear in his life through his words and example that uh, his ambition was to advance the gospel in spite of opposition. And so that ought to be our ambition as well. Just know that when we really sell out to be all in, spending our lives to see the gospel transform the next generation, there's going to be some pushback and opposition. Uh, But we are called to make the gospel known and to be united both in the gospel and for the gospel. Uh, The negative side, he says, not being frightened. That word there paints the picture of a horse being startled. Uh, Don't be startled by uh, any way that your opponents stand against you. Uh, It's a reminder for us that effective ministry doesn't mean void of conflict. Uh, ministry that is advancing the gospel is going to have that tension uh, as part of it. Paul says that many oppose me. And so just know that what he experienced, what this group of believers in Philippi experienced, we will too. Uh, But then he talked about a sign in verse 28. He described the nature of Christian suffering in the mission. He says, this is a sign of destruction for them, but of your deliverance. There's a positive and negative there. Uh, for you, it's a word of encouragement to believers to know that, that this is a sign of your deliverance. This is from God, that phrase, don't miss it. In other words, remember whose side you're on. Uh, what God started in you through the gospel, he is continuing and he will complete. But as we proclaim and live out the gospel in our context, it is a sign of destruction for unbelievers. It's a reminder that that everybody uh, does not end up okay in the end. It's a reminder that there is a good news gospel that uh, is is a message for all of us who are sinners that the only way of our rescue and salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. And and so on one hand, it's an encouragement, a sign. On the other hand, it's a warning. And we need to remember uh, as we face opposition and resistance and tend to be uh, discouraged at times, just remember in the end, we know who wins. In the end, the gospel will be vindicated. In the end, the faith of believers will be vindicated. And so hang on to that. And then quickly, just verses 29 and 30, it's something that we like to skip over, but Paul wants us to be reminded uh, that the nature of being on God's team and advancing the gospel for his glory is that we will, like Christ, like Paul, like our early believers, uh, we will experience Christian suffering. And don't let that come as a surprise. Uh, most uh, folks would like to run from suffering, but Paul's just saying suffering is really a gift that if we sell out for Christ and we're opposed because of that, then that is a privilege and it is a gift. So look at it in a different light, Uh, not negatively, but just with joy that I can suffer 
with Christ in his sufferings. And so that kind of wraps it up as far as my comments. Um, uh, just know that suffering for the sake of Christ is a privilege, but the call for us is to live our life worthy of the gospel. And if Paul summed it up uh, best, I think it's just one thing. Remember to live your life worthy of the gospel. That's good. I've got one more question uh, that I think is great for y'all to highlight in the verse 28 there. Uh, but it just deals with a topic that's that's very real uh, in our context. <clears throat> why is fear such a major tactic for the enemy, and why is it often effective, right, when Paul uh, encourages the believers not to be frightened by their opponents? I think the reality for us is that, like, we, man, we are so afraid, um, and we're afraid of a lot of things. Uh, we're afraid of what the economy may or may not do, what our government may or may not do. Uh, just a real moment coming from a parent of young children here. We're afraid of our kids and their futures, right? Like, wh- who are they going to be? What are they going to do? Are they going to follow Jesus or are they going to, you know, rebel against uh, against our influence and what we teach them? Um, so, so why is fear such a major tactic for the enemy and why is it often effective? And then I think pressing that one step further, how can we remember what you talked about? Right. Him, right to, whose side are we on? Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul is a great example to us in this. That's like, Hey, we're going to take your money, Paul. Okay, we'll take it. I've learned to be content in every circumstance. All right, well, we're going to lock you up. That's great. Who are you going to lock me to? I'll share the gospel with him, right? You know, we're going to kill you. Well, that's great. Uh, to you know, to live as Christ, to die as gain. It's it's even better for me. Right. So this is a guy who just can't be you know penetrated by uh, fear, and and that's available to us through the Holy Spirit. So how can we lay hold of it? Really is a great question. In but Scripture addresses fear, and we see it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Joshua one nine, we see it. Um, we see it obviously in what was it First Timothy one seven. Um, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And it 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 there's so many references to fear that it makes us go, hmm. Well, maybe we should see what God has to say about it. You know, uh, and, and so to keep that in right perspective. So, yeah, when when you come to the time of uh, measures in in your curriculum, um, one kind of stood out this uh, today for this lesson, and it was uh, said this: How will you be a friend to someone who is struggling with difficult circumstances? And you think through the letter to the Philippians. Um, it's that idea of striving side by side together. Uh, the Philippians have supported Paul. Paul has encouraged the Philippians. And uh, just through the their difficult circumstances, they've been there for one another. And uh, so really just points us and pushes us to be uh, that friend uh, who loves others by <clears throat> being there for them when they're going through a struggling time. Um, and that plays into the live it out as well. The, the very first one um, says, try to think of five things God can teach us through our trials and then write them down and be prepared to share them the next week. Um, so often uh, in our trials, in our suffering, uh, the major thing that we are thinking about is how do I escape the trial? How do I get out of the suffering? Um and God just doesn't think that way with us. And he uh, heard it one time put, I think it was Paul, Paul David Tripp, he is willing to uh, break our bones to heal our hearts. Um, and I think um, 
it's just good to step back. Even if you're not going through suffering, you know at some point suffering's coming for you. Sit back and for yourself personally, thinking through what does God reveal in his word that he's doing in our suffering? What are some of the things that he's teaching us in the midst of our hardships? Um, Because there's coming a day when that suffering is coming. And then you can uh, step back and remember um, and, and recall so that you're not just striving to get out of the suffering, you're actually surrendering and, and learning from it. So that, that live it out is, is a, can be a very powerful one and helpful one. And if somebody in your group is going through suffering, it's obviously a very helpful one for them at that point as well. The second live it out point is something that we're doing all this month during our curriculum. Want you to be very purposeful and deliberate to set up a time to share a meal with the person that you've been praying for. Uh, so taking that next step in reaching outward uh, to um, possibly have that spiritual conversation, maybe even a gospel conversation. That's good. Well, thank you, fellas, for sharing and for guiding us as we look at this passage of Scripture. One last announcement as we wrap our time together. Uh, we are looking in the rearview mirror, and behind us, we see Labor Day weekend. Uh, behind us, we see week zero and week one of college football. Uh, and what we know about this time of year is it's really easy for people to begin to slip away, to begin to fade away from attendance on Sunday morning. So I want to challenge our life group leaders to make a personal contact, much like what we did for um, for kickoff Sunday, to make a personal contact with every person on your ministry list. Now, for larger groups, that may be kind of uh, a big deal because there's so many names. It's okay. Spread it out. Get a few people to help you make those contacts. But to make that personal contact to engage and encourage people to be on campus on Sunday morning, just that one little touch. Who knows? That one little phone call could make the difference in getting people reconnected, staying connected, and see that life transformation. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us, uh, and we are looking forward to seeing you on Sunday.